Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From the southernmost point of dawn to the lands of always winter, what is west of Westeros and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Ken Napsok, and we are here to take a deep dive into episode eight of the House of the Dragons first season, the episode titled The Lord of the Tides. Director Gita Vasant Patel, writer Eileen Shim. Here's a quick little summary before we dive in. Drink to me. Drink to my health. You know I can't drink anymore. Those are some of the final words of Pablo Picasso as sung by Sir Paul McCartney and me badly. And they might as well be the last words of King Viserys I. Impending death and the lingering shadows of desire, legacy and the ties that bind hang over the final days and hours of the king and the family he so desperately wants to keep together. Can old wounds be mended for the good of the many, or will those lingering traumas long left to fester kill any last chances for peace in the House of the Dragon? Raise your glass and let's toast to the simmering tensions and explosive power plays of Episode 8, The Lord of the Tides. I'm Ken Napsack, and I am not alone today. Oh, no, we're live. We're live, and I'm with Rachel Cushing Levine and Alden Diaz. We're here here having some fun um hello friends how are you sad you're sad <laughs> how are you rachel <laughs> let's raise a glass to patty confidine the best raise a glass indeed <laughs> um oh, all right I'm, we're live and i'll explain that that's on me today and alden you're saying we having some uh oh yep all right we got it i am uh, i've got to switch my settings here we go we're gonna do a live in-show switch of settings because Man, that once uh, the 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 have different plugins and everything going for a computer, and you get there. There you go. Now I probably sound like a normal human being. You were on, your your mics were still on East Coast. That's what it was. My mics were on East Coast time. Uh, yes, I came uh, uh, tearing into the studio today last minute, so I apologize. Well, I, I you know I I don't want to read my summary again, but I did sing Paul McCartney for those who did hear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, we are live because that's on me, as you can tell. I'm quite of a Quite of a, a busy morning, but also had a busy weekend uh, traveling, coming back from New York City, doing some comedy with Mark Ellis. I uh, had to get down to Anaheim to uh, catch my friend Eric Bass and the band Shinedown, uh, and uh, a lot of fun, but it, it left for not a lot of time to review a hour and 15 minute or so episode. Mm-hmm. So uh, we said, let's just do it all live here today. So we got some folks checking on in here. Uh, and Rachel, you're you're on the road too, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm all over the place, but uh, very excited that, that your road trip meant that I could actually join you guys this week for mm. House of the Dragon. Yes, 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 absolutely. I want to also thank uh, 
uh, Alden and Rachel and Nikki holding down the rings of power. I don't need to be here. I don't need to be here. I'm just in the way <laughs> on those kind of things. You guys did a great uh, deep dive into uh, episode uh, seven of Rings of Power, which yes. episode I finally watched. Man, there's some great stuff in that one. Uh, but uh, that's another show, another episode we'll dive in. Uh, let's take a look into uh, this episode here. We'll start with our overall thoughts on this uh, sprawling episode in terms of time and characters and events. Very well directed, very well acted, very well shot. This was a very well episode. Rachel, we'll start with you and <laughs> your overall thoughts. Yeah, I found this episode very smart and very affecting. Um, not that I have any answers to this, but I have felt that the passage of time and the time jumps has made it more difficult in this season, this series, to really grasp on to the characters. Um, but knowing the story and knowing that we had to get to the children, the next generation, you know, I 100% I get why they did it. But this episode was the first time that I really felt connected to the kids. And um, not that the actors have been great. I'm not saying any of that. But like the fact that they took a step back and despite some rather large moments, the idea being that it's just a family coming together and watching those mm -hmm. dynamics work and watching them in work in expected ways and then unexpected ways. So you get a little bit from each of them to sort of understand their perspectives um, and their motivations. And I think that's a big thing this episode. You know, are you doing something out of generosity or are you doing it out of desperation? Raina, Rainey says it doesn't matter, but like I think that that dinner scene shows that it does because mm -hmm. if you do things out of generosity, then you're doing it out of human emotion and there's more connecting there. And so there's some characters that will do that, some that won't, some that live in the middle. I actually found Damon very interesting this episode. Um, so yeah, I just, I really loved it because it took the time for us to really get into it with the dynamics of these characters and to, if you haven't already picked sides, maybe inch a little closer to picking a side um, <laughs> or maybe it's shaken you up a little bit because, you know, I, I thought this was a powerhouse episode for Olivia Cook is Allison mm. um, and, and goes a long way. And then obviously, you know, as we said, raise a glass to Patty Considine who really took on a difficult character, one that, we like and maybe empathize with, but yell at a lot of the time, you know, so much of what's going on is his fault. And he has not often done anything to really, truly correct that. And then to have his big moment. Um, I loved, loved, loved the scene where he was walking down um, the hall to, to the, to the throne um, and, and the music and the, the feeling of it and his physicality in that role this week really went up a whole notch. Amazing. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, I was, re I was surprisingly moved by this episode and mm. I can't say that that has happened too often in this series so far for me. Yeah, no, that, this is a lot of great stuff in here. And I want to start, uh, go back to the beginning of what you were talking about is that I, I I'm with you on, on this episode. I, I, the time jumps have, have overall worked for, for me. It, it, there's some questions to it only because, hey, I just want to spend some time with some of the younger cast. But that's kind of the result is what you're saying, Rachel. Is you move so quick. You're getting to know a new performer, getting to know like, OK, that's Aegon. I get it. I can I can I can grasp that intellectually. But who's this performer and what's he bringing to the role? And, and it does. It, it, it's, it's affected me at times. And so I, I do hope, I, like in season two, I, I would love to jump back and go to the younger 
uh, uh, you know, yeah. Allison and and, um, and Renera at some point. But I hope we spend time with a cast. Um, but that's not to say that I haven't enjoyed what they've done and I get why the choices, mm -hmm. but I think this, you're right. This is the first episode. I feel like I got to look into the eyes or the eye uh, of Amon and a lot of characters here for the first time, the younger generation, because they're so key to this story. This yeah. is a story about them more than anything going forward. Mm -hmm. yep. yeah. Alden? Sorry, I think I got a dragon breathing outside my window right now. So a neighbor perhaps decided to do yard work. Uh, but yeah, I mean, going into this, I mean, I texted you, Ken, that uh, last week tonight with John Oliver tweeted like, we're going on late, as always, blame the dragons. And I was like, oh, so they're going to, it's going to be really beefy. And thinking that it was going to be the send off of Patty, you're sort of emotionally ready for it, but you're not ready for how much they're going to explore the every nuance of this character he sort of got to be happy happy Viserys even for a brief moment that we haven't seen he, the, the, this this season has afforded him as a performer to do every shade mm -hmm. like some of the funnier moments this series has being the more somber Game of Thrones show so far come down to him and the, yeah. some of the most heartfelt ones come down to him and the most painful so to see that all sort of come to the forefront here I thought was great especially with the way that the episode deals with the fallout and when we get to the dinner we'll talk about it but these young actors coming coming into their own here as the young roles and and as the children that we've seen you know we saw Aegon as a toddler you know the conquer the conqueror babe and now what he's become it, it's important that it's solidified now and and i i do think that the time jumps have worked for me because i've, I've latched on to people that maybe haven't been as affected by them as much like Matt Smith uh, and Patty. Like yeah. you get your through lines that have sort of softened that blow, yeah. but for them to solidify here emphasizes a lot. Like even when the adults manage to find their humanity again, even for a dinner, the rot has already been passed down yeah. and it almost doesn't matter that you guys had a moment of remembering the girls you once were the, no, oh, stay, stay. Well, I'll come back on dragon back. None of that matters because <laughs> you created the next problem already. That's, that's what we call in uh, LA. Yeah, let's do lunch. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out. <laughs> I'll, I'll do lunch on Dragon Back. Yeah, I'll see you. yeah, I'll come back. Yeah, no, uh, well said, both of you, as always. Uh, yeah, this was a, a wonderful episode in terms of direction, in terms of performances. We've said all along this show, though, it's moved very fast with the time jumps. It always goes to where it needs to go and then takes its time. And this this week, that walk with Viserys, I was kind of like, yes, do it, do it. Just take the whole time to get down to that ring. Just, mm -hmm. just suck up that intro. Oh, it was the Undertaker entrance. That's <laughs> why I'm waiting for the edit. I already tweeted it. I'm like, whoever edits his music onto this in advance, I thank yeah. you. Uh, it was yeah. beautiful. And it was, they yeah. allowed for things to happen. Like you, you're, I think we've been trained to think that seasons build to explosive moments mm -hmm. but this one took your moment at the godswood it took your moment in the by the bedside of mm -hmm. damon just sort of smelling like what kind of what kind of medicine are they giving you the the, yeah. the different moments like that the babies allowing babies to cry while someone's in pain is just, just a great moment of tension and yeah it was yeah. just elegantly done yeah it was indeed well let's start diving into some of the big moments and reveals this will always, as uh, we do around here, dive into discussions on the themes. So we'll go to all the places that we want to go. But I kind of want to start with the big one. I don't want to bury the lead on this one here. 
we knew this was coming, uh, whether you're a book reader of Fire and Blood or not, or just know the history of Song of Ice and Fire, or listen to people like Joffrey or Shireen in the first show who kind of gave away big plot points. Uh, the death of Viserys was, was going to come at some point. I remember my early days, uh, like when the show, the first trailers were hidden, I thought maybe Viserys would go in episode one. What a young fool was I. Uh, we got it here and it was a, a big one here. Uh, not just the death, but some of the things in it, the use of the Song of Ice and Fire prophecy, uh, the fact that he died supporting Rhaenyra. Um, but as always, the tragedy of, of, of Viserys is his inability to be clear, the clarity of his words. And that allows Allison to hear what she wants, which we're going to talk some detail on what mm. did she hear? What did she think she hear, uh, heard? And what choices did she make with that? Uh, this is the tragedy. And it was, um, it was, uh, hard to look away, but it was also hard to watch because it was truly sad and tragic. Rachel, I'll start with you here. The legacy of King Viserys. What do you think about the death and, uh, lessons we can learn from, uh, not maybe making yourself clear all the way through your life? Yeah. I found that really interesting. I, I've been curious since, you know, we've got that scene in episode two about tying this into a song of ice and fire and bringing up the prince who is promised and bringing up the threat from the north and you know it, it kind of hasn't been super present recently and this was the show's chance to bring it back and they were clever i, I have to give it to them for being clever with it in terms of ha starting a conversation with rhaenyra that she doesn't actually think he's hearing Turns out he was, and then he steps up and defends her as she begged him to. But beyond that, then to have a secondary conversation with Allison, which is almost like it's a continuation of the first, and he thinks he's talking to Rhaenyra, but again, it's not clear to Allison that that is the case. And we kind of introduced it without a whole lot of fanfare, because it, I will say in terms of comparing to the book, the fact that Rhaenyra names her first son with Damon Aegon was not, Allison wasn't super thrilled with that in the right. book, and but they didn't really make an issue of it here. And it's right. sort of just said and then kind of gone past more to focus on this, that her second son is named Viserys, which yeah. is the, the bonding, the emotional point of that. But anyway, mm -hmm. having two of his sons named Aegon, having Aegon the Conqueror be the one who supposedly had this or who had this premonition, this dream um, prophecy, Lots of Aegons. And so therefore, lots of ability to misinterpret exactly what he's saying. And I hope it is more of a case, like what you were saying, Ken, that mm -hmm. if Alicent wanting it to be mm -hmm. conf confirmation of what of, above mm -hmm. her son and, and everything else, because what I don't want that to do is to take away her agency and her role in what happens moving forward i want her to be making that decision not just because she thinks it's what viserys wanted i want her to be making that decision because it's what she wants and she gave herself the right excuse because ken i got shades of cersei when <laughs> yes. she says to rhaenyra at dinner we're both mother mothers who love our children and that there right there is your I won't say excuse, but your reasoning, your motivation for yeah. everything moving forward, even if your sons are little. Yeah. Mm. No, but yeah. It doesn't matter. Cersei had Joffrey, <laughs> you yep. know, you, you yep. do everything you can for them. That, that mm -hmm. is the core mm -hmm. of who and what you are. So I want 
what we all know is going to happen happened because of that and not because she misinterpreted what was cleverly written by the writers to make it seem like mm-hmm. she she yeah. thinks this is what Viserys wants. So I like what you said, Ken. I liked, was it more about it corroborating what she already wanted? Is she using it mm-hmm. in that way versus, oh, this is what you want? Okay, I'll do it. That's That was my one sort of quibble with that scene, yeah. but I could see the way around that. And honestly, next week's episode will, will be very telling in mm-hmm. how much she takes control of what is about to happen yeah we might get that answer and i'll slide you in here alden in a second but i think that's a great place to start it's kind of uh uh the the big ending of the conversation getting to the allison stuff but let you know i'll let you talk about viserys alden too but yeah i i it's so i thought it was well done because there's not a clear-cut answer for the characters for allison Maybe, mm-hmm. and there's not a clear-cut answer for us, which I love, right? It's open to yeah. your interpretation, perhaps open to what you want. I've always said I understand and have empathy for Allison, though this week mm-hmm. she took some turns where I'm like, oh, you've made some choices. And you took that empathy and buried it deep down inside you. That final scene, uh, it's one that's worth doing the old sports slow-mo replay, just mm-hmm. watching Olivia Cook play, play it. Mm-hmm. I initially interpreted it as... I can take this, and it wasn't like the super big, oh, I'm going to take his words and twist it, but she's hearing what she wants. She probably gets the idea that, oh, I'm not supposed to hear this, not necessarily in terms of the prophecy and everything, but just like, oh, he's not talking to me, uh, probably talking to Rhaenyra, but, uh, but I'm going to take this for myself. I, I thought it was a bit of, I took a, a bit of a decision uh, from it, from Allison, but I don't know if, we'll find out, like you said, Rachel, we'll find out soon enough. It yeah. was, And that's what I think I liked about it. I just like to roam around in that confusion for even us as an audience. And it's open to interpretation. That's the point of having him not be clear. And he says half words and he he mumbles. And so Mm -hmm. we take what we want out of it. She takes what she wants out of it. And then we watch Mm -hmm. her facial features and we watch the, Mm -hmm. the, all of it. Like we could probably interpret it in completely different ways, which is part of the point, you know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's good that it's not so clear black and white and you can read into it um, what you will in terms of how we move forward. Yeah. Great stuff. Alden, get in here. Viserys yeah. thoughts, Patty thoughts. What the yeah. hell? Thing? I, I have been chopping at the bit to talk about this Allison thing because I, <laughs> and I don't want to be like the one that's like harder on like fandom or like other people, but I really think that this is the, um, the theme of last Jedi is not kill the past moment. I think that the, the memification of this already in less than 24 hours has been kind of infuriating. Um, I I've seen already like, and they're, and they're funny. I get it. But memes are not analyses. This entire idea of like, Alice, that's the wrong Aegon. This is not a sitcom. <laughs> I think it is what Rachel, what you are saying, Rachel, like I think Olivia cook agrees with you, Ken and me on this. This idea that color up these are the, I, God, I wish I could, but there are, there are like these moments with Allison that have been teed up. She looked to duty and duty failed her. And she looked to her father and then she saw that her father was a monster on Driftmark where he said, this is what I've wanted. Then she looked to God, God's mm-hmm. plural yeah. and they have not been working. And should we have seen the hypocrite that she has been made to be and has chosen to be? It is both. Yeah. In yeah. terms of like, you know, the, the paralleling situation with the morning after potion and things like this. And we could talk about that later, but yeah. now she's going to grasp to the next thing. 
What's bigger than everything? Oh, it's this thing that I clearly don't understand. I think it's played with a confusion for the first two thirds of it. It's the, what are you talking about? I don't understand. Aegon, our son, question mark. But then it ends with definitive, it has to be you. You are the one. That's when it is clear to me. And I think clear to her. And I think that this is a person that will say, as we see in the preview for episode nine, he wanted Aegon to be the one. So she can sleep at night. But I do not think there is a lick of misunderstanding. So help me at all, period. And I'm not saying that the show isn't giving you, isn't giving viewers um, that sort of unreliability with her and where her mental state is. But I don't think that Allison is a fool. And that's the thing. She's not. She, yeah. much like her father, is not a moron. Allison is not uh, bad at playing this game that Otto brought up to her, this Game of Thrones, if you will. Um, she actually Ooh. does understand. It's good, right? They should, they should use that. Uh, but this, this, I, I think that this idea that we've, we've given her the out so many times, and I, I have been. I've been one of the early Allison. Like, she's so Thanks. sweet, the, the Emily Carey version. This, yeah. I think, is this is the choice. This mm-hmm. is the moment. Like, if it wasn't already slashing Rhaenyra's arm and everything that happened there, you know, she turned to God after that. And I think that there's definitely something to that. They talk about that in the inside of the episode. But mm-hmm. this, to me, was an active, like, betrayal of somebody as they died. And mm-hmm. I think that she is taking out a lot of her anger on it. Um, on, on Viserys, I think she can she can process in that moment. Olivia Cook has these performance choices, like, the purse lips and sort of like the side glare while she's looking at him. Like she wants to, wants to get up and leave because she can feel once again, that sort of like that. I'm going to bed, Emma. Like yeah, she's, yeah. she's, she's not even being seen again. She's yeah. literally seeing Rhaenyra who is his surrogate for Emma in a lot of ways. So it's happening a second time. And I think she absolutely unequivocally gets it. And I think that that's why, like if the greens weren't the villains before they are now, and I think that the, the memification again of like, yeah, like, oh, she got the wrong name. Like it's, it's not Kristen Cole being a doofus and thinking he's being, he's talking mm-hmm. about one thing or another. There yeah. is no Seinfeld base that comes in under this death scene. <laughs> so uh, do you buy then, do you think she was being calculated during the dinner? I because- don't think that she was being calculated during the dinner mm-hmm. up until Eamon stands up. And I think that once Amond does his whole strong boys speech. I think that that's when she sort of begins to break again because the rot just sets in. I think that maybe it was like that. I interpret that dinner as like, we threw you sort of the life preserver and you're like, you're, we're reeling you in. And then all of a sudden she hears another thing and then it's over. Like that, that we're almost, cause even Otto clapping, laughing, like that's the most we've ever seen from him in terms <laughs> of joy. And I think both of the high towers there. Yeah. are getting in touch with their humanity again. Then Eamon sort of pokes it. And then I think this prophecy was, oh my God, okay, I'm not wrong. Because I think she sees Rhaenyra's existence as a call out of her own in a lot of ways. That if Rhaenyra can be all these things, then her righteousness really is fake. Hmm. Rachel, your thoughts on that dinner and Allison's actions there? Yeah, I guess I I read it more muddled than that. Because mm-hmm. you also like, I can see what you're you're saying with Amond, but then I don't know what that last moment is meant to be. Then where she 
gen- it seems, genuinely reaches out to Rhaenyra mm-hmm. and, and, and says, basically, please don't go. And Rhaenyra promises to come back. She's the one who grabs Rhaenyra's hand and Otto looks worried about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. like, it, 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 I felt like she's more torn than I think you're maybe suggesting. I'm not saying she's not smart. I've never. No, totally, totally. And I agree with you that. about the agency thing. I do not want it to be this, like. No, no, oops. it shouldn't be. Yeah. No, not definitely not. Um, but to, I'm not sure I, I read into the Viserys scene that she was sitting next to him 100% knowing that he is talking about, he thinks he's talking to Rhaenyra. And that she is going to, I mean, I wouldn't, it's just muddy. I, I wouldn't blame yeah, no. her because everything you're saying about Allison is absolutely true. The way she yeah. was brought up, the way that the system sort of failed her, the way that she's had to maneuver and justify to herself in whatever way she could um, for her actions and everything else. And I, I think that the whole thing with the faith is very tied into that, as you've hinted as well. So mm. I, I, all of that is true. I just like the moment with Viserys and this is clearly what everybody's doing. We're all seeing it slightly differently. And when the decision-making and what the decision-making process is for her is very subtle and could be read a bunch of different ways. Regardless, I think we're at least on the same page in in terms of Alicent uh, having agency. And, oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and, and, you know, the, the, the domino effect of Viserys' death, that she has a role to play in that and should take on that role with the knowledge of what she's doing and not be, and not doing it because she's being manipulated or misunderstanding things around her. That is not what any of us want. And I don't think it yeah. will be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that that scene was gray enough for people to kind of have this debate about. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that was part of uh, what I loved about the, the Last Supper of Viserys there. I, I really, I felt it was sincere in all players' uh, parts there because there was a probably unified love of this man, complicated mm-hmm. as it is, uh, as, as um, you know, hurtful as some of the things done in the past. But I think he, at the end of the day, was a, a good man, as, as was said, going into the show. Remember going into the show, they sold Viserys as good man, bad king. And you see it all play out here. And I think when he calls for that, I think there was some sincerity there. But the, one of the lessons we can talk about is, is you know, the, the art of letting go. Uh, there's a lot of generational trauma that's been passed on. And, and sure enough, it is uh, the, the younger generation that kind of mucks it up a little bit here at the end of the dinner. And this idea of all you have to do is let go of these things that are between us, uh, including beheadings and murders and all these things. It's Game of Thrones, the House of Dragons, it's elevated. But Viserys saying, like, uh, all you have, forgive, maybe not forget, love, if not for the realm, for me. And I think that hits. I think that's what hits. And I think there's a, you know, a genuine uh, sense of let's try. Nothing works in this world. <laughs> Nothing nice works. But I took it as that, and then it leads on out. But, yeah, again, I think it's part of the fun. And, again, the big overriding, this is not – this is that text, not subtext thing. Uh, you could listen to Ryan Connell talk – Ryan Connell talk about it. And, and uh, the, the uh, director, uh, uh, V. Patel, talk about Viserys, his lack of decisions, his lack mm-hmm. of strong choices, his last, last of uh, lack of conviction. It all was at play here, and I think – that's why we're having a discussion that's muddled over our own interpretations because Viserys never gave us the answers. No. no. And his speech speaks to that so perfectly too, because even in this speech, he's like, you know, 
I want you to see me not as a king. I want you to see me as a father, a husband, a grandsire, uh, you know, all of these things. And and so he even knows, like, this is a, like almost a tacit acknowledgement. I'm not, a, I was never a good king. I was never meant yeah. to be king. I shouldn't have been king. Mm-hmm. I, all of the things that have led us here is because I couldn't be a good king. Like I didn't have yeah. the temperament. I didn't have the personality. I didn't have the understanding. Uh, I just, I just wanted to play with my models and love my family and, <laughs> and you know, and, like, yeah, yeah. And, that, and this is his plea to them to think of the world that way, to not mm-hmm. think about it in terms of the machinations and the politics and the power moves and everything else. But he is, he's an outlier. That's not this world. That's not what most mm-hmm. of the people in this world are and have to be to navigate this world. So he's he's the outlier and and he appeals to the the humanity of everybody and breaks through for brief moments and you can see in the different characters that they do have humanity in them even if it turns out maybe Otto does. Yeah. Um, that was so surprising. I it really was, stuck out to I me. Completely like completely agree. Little like yeah, I was like look at this guy. Like he yeah. I think for like he didn't say and also think of me as a best friend. Like Otto sort of was kind of left out of that. But like you have that idea that I had this twice so during the clapping and when he tells him uh, no milk of the poppy, just prepare supper. Otto sort of closes his eyes. And I thought for a second, does he love him? Like, I really had that thought. Like, do you think Otto Hightower loves him like a obviously they're they are uh, married in family now, but like as a friend, like I, I that's something that sort of I love that that hangs over. And there's no definitive answer of what is what is the humanity, what is the capacity for humanity that Otto Hightower yeah. has. Um, but to build off what you said, Rachel, I love that you brought up the specifics of like what he wants to be seen as, because it's like a beautiful payoff, I think, to his conversation with Lionel Strong, where he's talking about songs and he's talking about legacy and being a good king. And Lionel's trying to make the point of, well, no wars are good. That's that's a success. Like that's uh, you. Sure, there wasn't some sort of epic thing, but like a lot of people that are suffering in battles wish that they had never had the struggles or any type of struggle. And I think that similarly to, I'm not going to spoil anything because I know not, we don't have crossover viewers 100%, but in Rings of Power, Rachel, we talked about the classic theme of uh, you lose your eye, but you gain your sight. And here he reveals like he doesn't have this eye. um, Mm. And yet more perspective is imbued into him than ever before that he's able to see now, oh, I was concerned about the wrong things. And now, literally during my last hours, all I want is to be seen as the guy. And it's like Patty had been setting that up to just be the man, to just be the person since the the great council scene. When they announce him, he's sort of like, thanks, everyone. Like he doesn't there's zero triumph in his performance ever throughout the show. It's so good. Yep. We got some. Uh, we're recording this uh, podcast episode live today, which means we got some reactions. There, Big Lou says uh, his uh, last speech broke my heart. All he wanted was his family to be get to be together and happy. Uh, and then Big Lou also says his first episode of a GOT property that pulled a tear. Uh, there you go, Damon helping to serve the throne had me uh, balling. And uh, I thought right. I saw a tweet that the 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 uh, thro- uh, the uh, apparently Entertainment Crown Weekly, the yeah, Mackman, right? The uh, Entertainment Weekly. I haven't read their article, but there's a tweet yeah. sourcing them that says the crown falling was not supposed to happen. It was just supposed to be held. And that Matt and Patty just stayed in it and they did yeah. the whole thing as a choice, which is. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Like it just, 
Because he, the, Damon's another one. A lot of people could read that character as just being, you know, the crazy flip side of the coin as far as Targaryens go. But mm-hmm. I think we forget, it's easy to see it with the kids, but we forget like 16 years have passed since we've been longer, but since we first met him and he was super brash and so angry that his, you know, he, he he's no longer the heir and everything else. And he's not completely mellowed out, clearly, what he did to Vaymond. But the <laughs> idea being, I think that with time comes some sense of maturity and some sense of when you see your brother who you did love and who did love you despite Mm -hmm. everything that happened struggling in such an extreme way you can't help but feel some sense of like i've been missing i've missed out or or Mm -hmm. i i regret some of the 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 time that we were at odds rather than being family and whatnot And, and for him to be helping him and doing it in a non daemon like way just shows that there's layers there too. Um, mm-hmm. And I did that, that was, that was he, the entire sequence was so good. He fulfilled what he wanted. I mean, that is in the same way that Viserys is paying off his own arc in a lot of ways through his words. What did Damon yell and scream about in the pilot was you never chose me to be your hand, to be by your side. I'm the only one that would have protected you. Uh, and there he is, act, actually, the two brothers on the Iron Throne together for the first time. Yeah. And and it's in an act of, of help. And that scene, and we'll talk about it when we get to it, but that scene being the microcosm of Damon's character of extreme sensitivity and discomfort. He's uncomfortable seeing his brother that way. He's an uncomfortable character in general. He, I've called him like the hero, well, not the hero, but the character of these times. He's like a young person that's like, I don't want to be perceived unless I can control how I'm perceived. And he does two of the most Damon things ever, period. And one is utter sensitivity and one is utter brutality in the same t- at the same time. Yeah. And both in the service of, I'm going to uphold my brother. Yeah. yeah, great sequences indeed there. Uh, talk, we can talk a little bit about Patty, uh, Patty's performance. A lot of people uh, shouting that out in chat. Uh, but I do like Will McLean's analysis here. Uh, Viserys fumbled the secession plan. <laughs> <laughs> a succession plan at, yard, at one yard line and the other team, Allison returned at 99 yards for a touchdown. This is true. This is true. <laughs> I think uh, I think I love that. Now, what I loved uh, from my final thoughts on, on, on the Last Supper scene, so to speak, and we can keep coming back to it as much as you all want, but like the it's so real to me. Hi, Rachel, you were just kind of touching upon it, just whether it's family, friends, co-workers, you play in a band or you're involved in a YouTube brand for a long time. There's going to be a lot of things along the way that maybe tear you apart, but at some point you look back and wonder what does it all really matter? And at the end of the day, is it just about what you care about, uh, who you care about in that group and, and the love that you can still there. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes old wounds just stay right there. Trust mm-hmm. me, it happens. And I felt this was uh, one of the more realistic sequences. It uh, was both surprising that characters like Otto were celebrating and dancing and drinking, but also very heartwarming and very real to me uh, that this um, this might be the last shot. This is, Alden, you're going to love this. But, you know, I love my Phantom Menace. And it's the, it's the Peace Corps with Boss Nass and everyone's celebrating. <laughs> we got the band playing. And you're like, look at them. They're all happy. That ain't going to last. This is the same vibe of that dinner party. And I kind of love yeah. that it was there for us. It's the <laughs> people people at, on the steps with Boss Nass are responsible for the deaths of other people on the steps with Boss Nass. <laughs> like it's, like the, the actual saga, the actual saga heroes and villains are there. Like it's... Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 
has a lot of that same energy and a lot of it is timing, right? You talked about bands, YouTube brands. Yeah. I used to do theater. You want to see people in fighting, do anything yeah. related to theater. And it's just like, sometimes Did you ever hire the timing. faceless men? Did you ever hire the faceless men to uh, remove an actor in front of you? <laughs> no, but gosh, you, you wish sometimes. Uh, but th- this whole idea though, of sometimes it's just timing. Because I think it's six years between Driftmark and here. I think they say that with in regards to maybe not exact, but six years of Corliss's yeah. battle, which I'm assuming is right there. Um, it's yeah. like sometimes it's just about where we both want it, but we're not at the right places to connect just yet. Because mm-hmm. when he does the whole like the gods are cruel, oh, they've been especially cruel to you. Like that's him. Like I'm uncomfortable seeing you this way, but I'm not ready for these. Not ready for the handout. I'm not ready for the offer. I'm not ready to come back. Mm-hmm. And it took that, that extreme, like you can't even move without help for Damon to finally like remember maybe the good that we have seen only the glimpses of like laughing about the tapestries, um, in Allison's face, which to see Damon once again get a little Allison moment in this episode was great. Does not stand, does not call her queen, calls her <laughs> out for her etiquette. Like it's just, yeah. just brutal. Uh, this is a great comment here uh, uh, from Eric Santiago saying, regarding Otto, I think of all these characters are juggling the personal professional motivations, and it's apparent. I think the blacks lean toward personal and the greens towards political. That's a, mm. I think that's a great thought. Great mm. thought. Great take. And we're, we're going to do our temperature check on the blacks versus the greens and where we stand here in a bit. Uh, but I do want to talk about, let's talk about, uh, before we move on, I do want to talk about the death of Vayman and Valarian, uh, which I thought was, uh, there was a lot to it. It was uh, made you, you know, drop your uh, frozen microwave of a burrito that I was eating there. Um, but uh, and, and it was a twist on what we might have thought was coming. It's slightly different mm-hmm. than it was that in Fire and Blood, uh, which is great. We celebrate that um, there. But uh, I do want to talk about, about Patty Considine, uh, lead singer of Riding the Low, uh, comes in here to the series. And though I really do contend season one is not as blacks and greens as that, it's Allison and Rainier and these two women in this world and how they face it and how they try to conquer it or how they just try to survive. I really think that's the through line, but he's the heart and soul of this. And he had such a hard task, you know, to, to be this guy that we're supposed to love. You both said he brings some levity to a very dark and somber show, which I sometimes just miss. I miss Hound f- killing people over chicken and trading barbs. Ari, I do miss that kind of stuff. So Podrick far. and yeah. Ed and Grant. I miss them all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do hope. <laughs> yeah. I, I really do hope that's my one big criticism of season one of House of Dragon is, is, is I know Sapashnik has always come off as a very intense guy. If you ever listen to interviews, he's very intense, very serious at times. I don't know him. So maybe he's a card at parties, yeah. but uh, and even his I, jokes are dark. Like he when he, when, in the inside the episodes, like when he's talking about grayscale and stuff, he's like, yeah. just a really bad case of eczema. And it's like, no one laughs at that. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 look at Hard Home, Battle of the Bastards. It, it's intense yeah. stuff. And I think that's what he brings. And and I don't know Condal's work too much to, uh, out of this show, but I just hope season two has a little bit, those characters that come in that could just kind of, not just be a laugh, but mm. bring a little light to it. You're asking um, for mushroom, Ken, is what you're asking I'm, as, for. I'm asking for mushroom. But <laughs> yeah. often in season one, Patty was that guy. Or at least I feel... Go with me here. Patty brought to the role of Viserys, the guy who looked out and was like, can we all just have a laugh? And no one in the room wants to. <laughs> and right. that's why I think mm-hmm. I connect with him. Uh, Rachel, uh, what do you think about his performance overall? A lot of people talk about this final one, but from, from one, scene one to this uh, last breath, uh, what do we think about Patty? Yeah, he, he brought to it what he needed to in the sense of 
I wanted to reach through my television and shake him so many times over the course of the series. But at the end of the day, he is who he is. And mm. Patty never tried to avoid that. Like it always mm. felt so grounded and realistic and that this man in this circumstance with this personality this is exactly all the things that he would do as frustrating as those things are he never failed the character he never did anything out of character it was always lived in and that's that's sort of humbling for an actor to do because you maybe you you want to play the the guy who makes the decisive decisions or wins the day or or on the other side is the big bad evil or whatnot. He's mm. just a human being, a guy who is thrust into a role that he was never meant to be in, and mm. he ultimately sort of failed at that. But that doesn't mean we can't have empathy for him, and that's what Considine was always balancing and balancing so well, and. Mm. I always thought that would be a tough character and I just, I can't imagine anybody else doing it any better. Um, and the, the, especially with the evolution and the deterioration of him physically, he really in like lived in that too. Like I said, like the walk down towards the iron throne, the, the way he walked, the way he was hunched over and obviously he's missing limbs and things like it, it all just, mm. It, like I said, felt so lived in, so grounded. Um, and I think that the show was got really, really lucky with him to be able to, to make that character make sense and to, and for you to care about him as much as you want to strangle him. Well said. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Alden, uh, yeah. I had those moments too, where just, you just want to shake him by his one arm and be like, we got to make a stronger decision here, but there was so much uh, depth and warmth to the role as well. A gent to, to gen you, gentle shaking, gentle. Yeah. Okay, fine, gentle. Yes, especially yeah. in <laughs> later on, gentle. But 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 in terms of like a, a one last shout out to him, in terms of like you were talking about the funny, one mm. of the best lines in this whole thing was, "Well, the matter is settled." Dot 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 again. <laughs> oh, I so good. Line. I laughed out. I was like, "Good." Yes. For you, that that's, was the, that's a great call. That's a great call. It's like he, it's like you know how many flights of stairs are between my room and this chair. <laughs> I'm gonna make it known that this was an inconvenience. Yeah, uh, yeah I loved that. And I, Rachel, I love what you brought up about the performance aspect of it, sort of being thankless and it's sort of being a humbling role. And it makes me think of something. Uh, there are the the so on the on the. A little bit of like just like a behind the scenes presentation stuff on the HBO YouTube channel. They put up the house that dragons built and they're like six minutes or so. And then there's one that's like 20 minutes. And I thought that that was unusual until Nikki told me that all of them are 20 minutes. If you scroll and hit extras or whatever. And it's like, it's like kind of like the Disney galleries, like just mm -hmm. every department gets to shine everything. So definitely check those out. And in them, I've been catching up on them now. Patty talks about telling people that he got this role. And they're like, oh, you ride a dragon? And he's like, uh, no. And they're like, oh, well, you, you're you going to get into like a big battle then, right? And he's like, and no. And they're like, well, what do you do? And he's like, I sit at a lot of meetings. And it's like, it is sort of like, once you have, once you put it in those most basic terms, mm -hmm. you have to find the soul. I mean, that's what Peter Dinklage had to do. That's what somebody yeah. like, uh, 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 oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. He's so wonderful. Uh, Samuel Tarley's actor. Um, that's what he had to do. Yeah. Uh, up at the Night's Watch. Like you, if you're not one of those characters, 
Uh, It becomes harder in a show that becomes a pop culture phenomenon because of those types of characters. Uh, And so I thought that he did a great job being the other, the other element for so many different people being the, the element that maybe didn't fit in uh, in terms of not just his brother, but also Corliss. Uh, You know, he he's not this, this adventurer like Corliss is. He's not this politicking, you know, mastermind like Otto is. He's sort of none of those things. And to see this episode, everybody sort of really find him, meet him halfway mm-hmm. uh, was a nice change, especially Rainey's because mm-hmm. you're not sure if she's going to take this deal. And then when she finally does, it's the sort of, you know, I'm sure if Corliss was there, there would have been some different thoughts and some maybe yeah. some marital fighting there, but for her to finally close the book on the great council, almost in that moment of if you ever thought there was beef, there's not anymore. I'm supporting you supporting her. Like, even if, even if I think what I think about her in terms of Leonor's death, yeah. which is another great instance of Rhaenyra's not lying. Uh, it, there's a, there's an almost like it's Targaryens before anyone in that moment. I thought it was really powerful. And it was also kind of, I don't know about anybody else, but I took it as damn it. Westeros, you messed up. She'd have been a fantastic oh, oh, queen. Yeah, she's so. I found myself thinking about the uh, Borman. Is it Borman Baratheon? Mm-hmm. The queen who never was, and like how that was like such a scandalous thing to say. And it's like he's right. Eve Best is very just. She's so regal. Like she would be yeah. the best choice. Yep. She would have. Yeah, five foot ten of pure uh, uh, queen, ready to rule the world. There. Yeah, I thought about that too. Of her, 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 essentially, you know, doing it almost kind of with his ass before he even said it, and just like putting aside those things, like you said, yeah. for, for the better. Uh, and, and without, you know, without a doubt, also, you know, striking uh, against the high towers, against the greens, which she um, knows if this had gone uh, uh, gone the other way, at least in terms of the ruling, that this would have been the first move, she said, for uh, the Greens, for the Hightowers. Um, which does all lead to what I really want to talk about. We want to give uh, uh, was Will Johnson a uh, shout-out for the uh, uh, Vaiman Valarian final stand. The death of Vaiman Valarian, which is, uh, if you're a re- reader, reader Fireblood, you, you kind of you know had the idea this would be coming. Uh, and this is a man that spoke the hard truth and chose to die for it. He says at the beginning of the episode, I speak the truth, Rainies, and you know it. This is one of those Game of Thrones characters that I love, that they're going to stand up and they're going to say, this is what's what. And they're going to pay the price for it. Ned Stark was that in another way, just a little bit yeah. more naive to the game. Vayman, I think, knows. He doesn't know maybe that's going to happen right then and there uh, with uh, Damon's blade. But I thought it was a great final scene, even though it added even even more to the muddled nature of what's going on. Because I'm kind of rooting for Viserys to make this claim, to back the claim of Rhaenyra and right. uh, her son Luke. I kind of want that to happen. But Vayman uh, decides to go out with his own kind of sense of personal honor and was um one of the more brutal moments in game of thrones yeah they all find a way to do something quite grotesque oh yeah haven't seen yet and yeah new ways innovation (laughs) in the gore i have a question for both of you and i and i'm not sure where i stand on it and so i'm curious do you think that when because i mean damon's say it should be a shirt like that is just Mm -hmm. that should be a shirt should be a hat that say it has the wrath of Caraxes just imbued into it. Like yeah. I came all this way. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting some blood here and in, in yeah. some way, shape or form. Do you think that Vaymond, when he hesitates before he decides to, to yell it, do you think that he's 
weighing word choice? Do you think it's him preparing himself to go out on the sword? Or alternatively, do you think that he thinks that Viserys is historically so weak that he can get away with it? I'll, I'll jump in quickly, Rachel, and say uh, I think the second choice, I, I think it's him knowing, I think I've lost this battle, see the way this is going. Uh, I am not going to sacrifice any of my own integrity. I am going to say this truth. And that doesn't necessarily mean that's the right way to play it. People like mm-hmm. Otto don't play it this way. Nope. And uh, even I'm, you know, just office politics, I don't even know if you play this way. Uh, the I tell it like it is uh, person can sometimes be the jerk of the equation. I'm not calling Vayman the jerk here. I think uh, for me, for my money, it was, uh, I know if I say it, I know Damon Targaryen. I know the people in this room. It's probably not going to go well for me again. Does he think he's going to get sliced, his head sliced in two right then and there? Maybe not. Um, no. But I, I think it was a, a choice to go out the way I want to go out. Rachel? I will say that that's probably the majority of the thought process behind mm-hmm. that. But I was really struck by a number of different ways he phrased things up until that point, both to yeah. Rainey's um, in Driftmark and then during his petition, mm. he's more, he's way more calculated than Ned was. Like he yeah. <laughs> is playing up the words he's playing up, like the way that he, he sort of like calls Viserys out on his breaking the rules to do things. And calling that a certain sense of ambition. Like he, he, he's coloring it as I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do. It's the truth. It's all about blood, but he has that very calculated meeting with Mm -hmm. Alicent and Otto about this. So I, I felt he was playing the game of Thrones within that. I'm going to tell the truth no matter what and stand up for this. And I did get a small vibe, a small percentage of his decision-making in that moment was what I think the Greens have been trying to do for a few episodes, which is the more people that can publicly say, look at them, they are bastards, Mm -hmm. gives more power to the Greens. And maybe in some back corner of your mind, you're thinking, I will say this out loud. I will get thrown in the dungeons for it, but mm-hmm. Viserys is pretty close to dying. There's going to be a civil war. At this point, everybody knows there will be the second that that happens. And, mm-hmm. and so I could bide my time and be on their side. Like, I feel like he is calculated enough to have sort of gone through those potential steps because yeah. so many of the greens have been looking for every opportunity to point it out. Yeah. Look at them. They're trying to they, garner that moral majority type thing. Yeah. Around and to them. give them yeah. support. Absolutely. I think that that's part of it. But the way he delivers it is clearly also yeah. very much about his own personal integrity in terms of this, you, you hypocrite to Viserys, you mm-hmm. blind fool hypocrite, you buck the system and you continue yeah. to do it by allowing this travesty that goes against blood. And that is very clearly something that is very important. And what's interesting is that, as some fans have pointed out, and I love this note, is that if he wasn't so blinded, and Viserys calls him out for this, you're the second son of Driftmark, which, lore note, does that make him technically the third son overall? Because isn't Corlys a second son? Is that is that sort of the implication? I thought Corlys was a second son, and that's because that's how he courts Damon for the Stepstone battle. Um, And that there's a third, there's like an, an oldest, an eldest Valerian that's probably dead or something. 
Um, that's just that's just a note. That up while you're chatting. Um, but this idea that if he had not been so blinded and so enraged and so ready to be all in on greens and all in on his own pride, he would have listened to Rainey's and acknowledged that they were roping the bloodline in that these two trueborn daughters, mm-hmm. trueborn, trueborn, would have actually solved this issue. Yeah. If if that's what you're she so him, on about, she gave him an uh, an out, and she he gave him an out, and he still it. didn't yep. take it. And mm-hmm. it's like if that's what, you, and there's so much of this going on with Veyman and with the High Towers of mm. you can talk about it, but you're not being about it, and you will always find a way for hypocrisy. And you see it in the way Veyman acts and the way that Allison raises her boys, and like it's just it's all over this stuff. And I just thought that, yeah, and, and Ken, I, I didn't mean to make you do research, but just uh, it was interesting that Viserys threw that out. Because it almost was like an extra insult, if that's true. Yeah, no, yeah, and I can't. It looks like he might have been. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, two, I'm on two different wikis because one's more book and one's more show. And <laughs> I, I, I got you. the other one there, but uh, I won't get distracted by that. Maybe someone will ch- uh, check and clarify for that too. Uh, so there. Yeah, no, and I think. Um, yeah, it's weird. Again, we always are going to take a lot of uh, from these shows what we not just what we want, but what we identify with. And mm-hmm. you, you know, I, I look at Veyman, and and yes, he's moving. He's moving the pieces. Uh, I think mm-hmm. there's a big theme at play. I, I call it the cost of uh, aspirations. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit more in the Allison stuff here, but we can go in a little bit on um, mm-hmm. uh, Veyman of of just like you know, you you can't see the forest for the trees, or you're going to hold on to what you want at the cost of of everything. But also the, the whole, the whole truth thing is something that uh, it, it resonates with me where you're just like, we all see it. Why are we all pretending like this isn't the way it is for the games, for the realm, for whatever? What, there's a big lie going on and it's going to push me to the brink. Uh, and even with Damon, it was a cool, it was a gr- great Damon moment. You want a cool, <laughs> you know, snappy line after you behead someone, he can keep his tongue. Great moment. But even then mm. I'm like, well, you all know it's true, Damon. You're all yeah. playing and just, Damon was joking about it to Lena when they were overseas. Like, yeah. oh, and does the new baby also bear a striking resemblance to the commander yeah. of the city and, watch? And that's not me saying I'm, you know, rooting for anyone. It's just like I'm watching it just going, but he was right. And y'all know he's right, uh, even though he does want some stuff and he's jumping the line. And yeah, mm-hmm. Rainey's, if yeah, Rainey's could, should, could just tell everyone, I got this. I got this. And I would have had this if y'all chose me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it makes me yeah, wonder, yeah, like, maybe Veyman. Like we said, like Rachel, your point, like it's it's the majority of this, but it's kind of all the reasons. Like maybe he did think in his calculations that he's doing, because in the first scene, he's like, I want your support. I don't need it. Maybe yeah. he's thinking, you know, I'm going to say this. If it's the last thing I say, because I lose my tongue, they'll have made me a, a visual representation of their own BS. I can walk around with no tongue and still be myself. Like, you know, maybe he's thinking that far ahead of like Viserys doesn't have it in him to kill me. I can be the the green with no tongue that was proven right. And then yeah. uh, I almost thought for a second that, that in a further show of this brotherly unity that we were going to get a Viserys like Damon bring me his head moment. Mm-hmm. And Damon does not need the command. <laughs> and, and, and we uh, we should. Uh, this is uh, the point to point out the bit of a difference. And, and um, you know, we, we love engaging with what is presented on the show and and not holding up to any expectations from the books. And, and the fire, fire and blood is just such a, from a certain point of view story. Uh, but, uh, Veyman, uh, Rhaenyra sends Damon to get his head and then feeds his, uh, his carcass, uh, his, uh, body to her dragon, uh, which would have been cool as well. But I, I really liked how this one played out. It really worked. Look, out as a if you're going to save money, 
Cause that's, that's the like, we understand the industry point. Like that's that, that element too. And it's like, yeah, that's not a story, but it is funny. Like if you're going to do that, this is such a, it's cinema. It's like, like I'm not a reaction videos like person. I don't make them. I don't think I, I don't think I'd be good at that anyway. Uh, but just like, that's one of the ones where it's like, okay, I don't really like to watch these in crowded rooms, but I would have loved to have seen that in a crowded room. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Before we dive into more of the themes, we love doing our themes in here and lessons here. I do want to run through a couple of just reveals. And I love talking about the show and that we can go deep as we want here. But I love there was three uh, three things I wanted to bring up here. Uh, one, more dragon eggs. Uh, Sirax uh, bringing three eggs forward. Love that. You're going to need as many as you, as you can get in the wars to come. Uh, we got Masaria's spy network in the background. Masaria is working her magic, and I think I love seeing that there. And then the other, I just want to discuss Eamon Crazy Eye, as I'm insulting him. <laughs> probably take out my tongue. Um, wow, he's got all bits of crazy Targaryen uh, blood f- coursing through uh, him here. I uh, I really like the edge he brought to this. Episode. What an actor! Wow. Oh, uh, they they found the right guy. Is uh, <laughs> Ewan Mitchell? I think is his name, yeah, and I don't think he's done very much. But like, and he's twenty. I, I just. And it's such a perfect juxtaposition against what a prick Aegon oh. is. Yeah, we're like, just just in the worst. <laughs> like we're yeah. talking Joffrey, Ramsay Snow, like all of them, just Viserys. Salter. She got equally <laughs> bad children like, of different oh. like genres. Like yeah. they both suck in unique ways. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. Va- <laughs> like I love Vaymond because of like what happened to him being bullied and then everything with Vagar. Like that trajectory yeah. just works and. For him to recognize, in my mind, that his brother's nuts and stupid mm-hmm. and, and you yeah. know, just uncaring about it all, that he has to be sort of the the rock. And he's mm-hmm. going to do that by turning himself into, like, Damon. the best warrior, <laughs> the most, you know, uh, mm-hmm. analytical, logical, like, ruthless version of himself that he could possibly be. And talk about, like, I, I thought there were so many um, will they, won't they moments in mm. this one being will Vaymond say it will he call them bastards yeah. um and then during Eamon's toast like oh don't do it don't say it don't say it no. don't say strong don't say and it and it's oh, the slowest it? burn too because <laughs> he really he stands is. he stands once then decides against a toast well he stands because of Jace he stands yeah. ready to fight Jace almost mm-hmm. like if you're gonna say something you're gonna have to say it looking at me yeah. and yeah. then Luke, man, you goofed by laughing at that pig. I know, which you I'm goofed. glad happened. I'm glad that oh, yeah. happened. Because oh, yeah. the they definitely positioning that Rhaenyra's kids are the root worthy kids, like that yeah. they're they're trying their best. They they want to do good. They seem to have good hearts. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side, you have these two Targaryen guys that are just yeah. the, yeah. Worst. the worst. Um, so you just you needed to throw in like this is not completely one sided. Like, yeah, he's holding on to it's, it's too, and he's holding on to grudges and and yeah. everything else, and yeah. and to have that smirk with the pig because of the pig incident from whatever yeah. episode that was, like, was exactly the kind of thing that would potentially make Vaymond react. Yeah. But the way he reacts is a very uh, sorry, Vaymond uh, is a very Vaymond way to react, and I love that. And anybody who's read the books. Yeah. When Damon steps up in front oh, of Jason well, Luke and yeah. they have their little stare off, I was like, oh. Well, there's the first, like, when he takes out Vaymond with Dark Sister, 
and you they cut to Amond, and he's like, which by the way, as someone pointed out, I wish I could credit this person. Amond being Damon in Pig Latin is just mm-hmm. hilarious. Um, or at least almost in Pig Latin. I think it would be Amon Day. Um, but just like the the whole idea of I mean, Ken, am I right mm-hmm. about this? I keep saying this is punk rock and classic rock, and that punk rock is really trying to assert itself, but also couldn't exist without classic and like he's yeah. looking at him and it's like you've heard it in recent wrestling promos like you've got a poster of me on your wall son like this yeah, is yeah. i've yeah. modeled everything ab- about myself after this black sheep rogue yeah. prince energy that you have and he liked what he did to Vayman. and then damon yeah. at, at driftmark when he says yeah. the whole i may have lost an eye i gained a dragon mm-hmm. matt smith does almost like this i respect that like he almost yeah. has like that that kid, that kid's got what it takes in his own yeah. way. And yeah. here there was sort of like a easy to bully other kids kid, but like yeah. never Try forget. Try it on someone yeah. your own size. <laughs> never forget who who originated this archetype in this family. Yeah. I yeah. wish I wish you good fortune in the wars to come. Is what that one said right there. Yeah, I love it. I just think there's an edge to it. Um, you know, down to the patch, still kind of having the scar <laughs> reflected down the middle. I just it's a great design. It's great for. Great, uh, just a great face, man. That is a, that yep. is the, the face of a villain, and uh, uh, well done there. Um, so yeah, uh, some of the other stuff here. Uh, the, the dragon eggs is uh, just one that I liked. Probably a small moment here, but it, you know, lest we forget, it's it's the house of the dragon, and dragons are important. So yep. uh, I love There's that. So many Anybody else see. hoping for like glimpses of like sheep stealer or cannon? Yeah, cannon. that's what I thought yeah. that scene was going to be. I really <laughs> like. We'll get first, there. Eventually. I also love the way that that's shot. Where you think you're looking at a small crack from within the cave. And then you see him. And then you realize how tiny he is. And you're like, he has to go on a whole freaking adventure just to get these. <laughs> like, it's a whole mission. Yeah. Uh, it was amazing. And, and yeah, Rachel, you put it in, in those terms. Like, it's, we're, we've seen, uh, Cyrax and Sea Smoke, Caraxes and Vagar. <laughs> and it's like, it's easy for us to think like, wow, we've been so well fed by the dragons and we have been. That's already one more than GOT, but there's, mm-hmm. I think, 17 in total that they have planned yeah. for the run. Yeah. And, and we've seen like <sighs> Melis and Dreamfire from afar. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, oh, yeah. But, Dreamfire yeah. is like the one that's like speculated to be Drogon and Viserion and Rhaegal's bomb. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, Helena, who doesn't get a whole lot of screen time and most of the time yeah. she's mumbling yeah. nonsense or she had taking a great toast, husband, though. Had a great toast. Great toast. <laughs> yeah. 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 Even Otto laughed at that toast. Yeah, Otto was like, "Yeah, he does suck." Yeah. <laughs> I love uh, I love Helena's lines because you always got to kind of pause, maybe put up uh, the uh, closed captioning to read like mm-hmm. what prophecy. Yeah, yeah. Well, what prophecy is she saying now? Beast beneath the board. I think yeah. was hers here. Yes, the beast beneath the, the, the board. Um, and then uh, Mysterious Spy Network, man. Lest we forget, she's working her magic in the back. Alden, this is something we were talking about in an earlier episode. Her kind of climbing that ladder on her own. She's she's mm-hmm. background. She's not quite uh, Baelish or Vera status yet. Yet, uh, I just yeah. like that kind of reveal. It was kind of fun. I like I like when there's little uh, you know potions. You you, you just drop to remind you. Yeah, yeah, you you have to remind just that, to remind that you that it's in play. A prostitute who is now. <laughs> you know, moving up in the world and has a spy network. And I and who we know her. works for Otto, and, at least as of, as right. of the last Millie and Emily episodes. And this, um, the woman who came to give her the, the news, the gossip is mm. the woman from, yeah. uh, I think her name was Talia. 
um, yeah. who was in the scene who gives the moon tea to that poor Diana yeah. girl. Oh. Um, what, a, what a performance from her too. Devastating. That was, that. I just, yeah. I mean, I know that they were trying to, you know, give us more reasons how horrific Aegon yeah. is, but like we really had to go with that storyline. I wasn't yeah. really thrilled about it, but the acting in the scene, Allison again, like Olivia Cook, showing the struggle, showing the, yeah, no, I know my son's a monster and I know that you just paid the price for him being a monster and it's horrible and I believe you and everything else, mm-hmm. but I'm going to scare the bejesus out of you to make sure that you never tell anybody ever mm-hmm. again because mm-hmm. that would be a detriment to to, to my family mm-hmm. and to my son and everything else. So like, they're the, they're the side of righteousness and decency, mm-hmm. you know, is, is yeah. the whole thing there. And I, yeah, and, and Ken, to your point about like Masaria, is that it's sort of, it's all sort of one problem. It's like, she's the side, they're the side of righteousness and decency. As she says to Kristen Cole, like, don't even use the C word. We're above that. Mm-hmm. Um, in Westeros, we're above that, I guess. But this, uh, this idea that, but she'll do things like that to pay off this, this servant girl and covering up an assault. Meanwhile, Otto is using the white worm and not the white worms that have Han Solo and Kira. These mm-hmm. are way worse white worms, uh, that, he'll use this network run by somebody who he has gone after before he went mm-hmm. after Masaria and Damon on Dragonstone, but they will always, you know, it's a, what have you done for me lately type thing? Oh, you're supporting greens now. Oh, cool. You're on the side of righteousness now, Masaria. And like, she has something to offer. Clearly she has mm-hmm. built up a good network and that that is useful yeah. to Otto. So yep. yeah, he's always going to use people that are useful to him. That's the kind of person that he is. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, speaking of reveals or, or little tidbits, um, we all catch the Sir Eric, Sir Eric stuff. Yeah, that was the, great. The, yeah. The, Kings, the Kingsguard. So yeah. when um, Allison is supposed to be going to greet Rhaenyra and Damon, uh, a Kingsguard comes up and uh, she's like, what do you want, Sir Eric? And he goes, it's Sir Eric. So like you have that like, oh, the twins, the, the twin uh, Kingsguard members are mm-hmm. are in play mm-hmm. um, and then you see them uh, dueling each other in the um the grounds when the right. jace yeah. and luke come out to see them so you know mm. those yeah. two characters will come up again and i Little was just things. happy to see them um and 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 have it called out that they're identical twins because yeah well, ah, and also who, who has identical twins and changes one letter in the name that's on you that is on the parents yeah Yeah, it's like one more one more kid named Aegon. which now i love going back jumping that real quick we don't need to but i the the use of the prophecy to now maybe make it make more sense why everyone gets named Aegon. yeah yeah even show john snow is what Aegon six or Aegon seven by that point yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so it's like it's very and and you know we could do a whole episode of like who knew what, when, when does the information die out, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's fun. But it's fun knowing time. who, knowing how Rhaegar is in, in the lore about prophecy, that if that information ever trickled down to that man, he would be like, let me get all the birth certificates. Aegon. Aegon. <laughs> like, let me stack my odds. Yeah. <laughs> birth truth. Yep. All right, yeah. let's take a dive into some of these themes, uh, and we'll come back at the end. At the end of the show, we'll do our blacks and greens, a temperature check, because I think we need to have some of these uh, uh, conversations there. I, I know, Alden, you've got a lot of themes on your mind, Rachel, you as well. I do want to start with this uh, 
idea put out there uh, of the cost of aspirations. It's building off a little bit of the Allison conversation we had uh, last time out where I, you know, passionately defended my guy Stannis, at least in terms of the lessons that are there for you. When this idea of uh, when the goals become your identity. And I can't help but think of that even more now for Allison, who has uh, become a hypocrite, right? Uh, I thought that was uh, uh, a point well taken, uh, Rachel, on, you know, how, how we introduce uh, sexual assault storylines uh, with, with uh, in these kind of stories. Uh, but for the writer Eileen Shim to, to play Allison this way, it, it really twisted my heart because I've, I've not, I keep saying this, and I, some people tweet me. I'm not supporting Allison. I understand. <laughs> this is the Stannis. This is the Stannis 2.0 for you in your life. <laughs> and like, uh, but this episode, like for her to, to, to hide behind, uh, hide behind because she's found comfort in uh, religion. The high, the, it's always there. The high towers are of old town and protectors of the Citadel, all that stuff. Uh, there. Um, but to see uh, her, I look at it as uh, she's not cleaning up her house even in, in, in the face of hard facts that she's known as there. And the, the slap telling Aegon, you're no son of mine. She's just taken everything that I would think would be empathy, um, compassion, reason, her own experiences, uh, and burying it, pushing it all down to fulfill the goals. And the goals, not necessarily just the Iron Throne or getting her son on there, but House Hightower, herself, her own wants, her own desires – uh, and, and, and to see this time jump, it, it, it affected me where I think I'm boo hissing Allison a little bit more than I was last week, even after her outburst, because I understood her. Now I understand what's happening to her and the choices she's making to fuel that and push that forward, if that makes any sense. No, it does. That's what this show needed to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like we can all probably still be team black in, in the long run, but at least we can have an understanding of why team green came to be beyond just a power hungry auto high tower. Like yeah. Allison is a player. Allison is a person with experiences and intelligence and has to maneuver in a world where again, women have such a difficult time maneuvering. So she has to compromise and it's heartbreaking mm-hmm. to watch the compromise, but then you see that that leads her to become the person that would take this realm into a civil war. So you have to have all of that wrapped up. And if you can do that with empathy and even sympathy and a gen- genuine emotion, like I was affected by her and Rhaenyra's brief attempt at some re- reconciliation. Like that shows that, you know, there are people beneath the players in the Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I think that that's great. There should be a gray area. There should be an understanding. And yeah. I know it's so... Funny, I mean, I, I've always been Team Black because the, at the end of the day, Viserys chose Rhaenyra and mm-hmm. always that that was his choice. And as king, that was his prerogative. So everything that happened with the Greens usurping that, they're, they're in the wrong, in my mind, generally speaking. Yeah. However, the show has done a really good job of showcasing not their fault, but mm-hmm. those kids are not her legitimate kids. And yeah. we condemn Cersei for it. In the original show in yeah. Game of Thrones, but yeah. here we're all Team Black, even though she's pu- pulling off this this, this farce that yeah. these kids yeah. are actually. And that's what makes it about for. people. That's that's, that's what you're saying is that be- we will give a pass to somebody with a with a warm heart and a charm and everything that everything that Millie Alcox Rhaenyra set up. Yeah. That yeah. now Emma Darcy, what they're able to do in taking that forward yeah. has 
has endeared us. Whereas with Cersei, it's like we can get the same crime, crime yeah. in quotes, obviously, right. of course, in this world, um, but be like, well, no, but they sucked. Like, and, and that's sort of like going all the way back to the beginning of Game of Thrones or close to the beginning, I think in season two, when Tyrion says, it's your only redeeming quality, that and your cheekbones. Like, like yeah. immediately going in on like, what is the humanity of everybody? It yeah. has to come to the, to the forefront here. And, and I, yeah, and that's why we care. And like, I also am like, I don't know if we're going to do a temperature check now, but like, I also am so aggressively team black. <laughs> we might as well. We might as well because, because I, I've never, I, you know, they're just set up. The greens are not set up to be rooted for. Uh, I, I like Otto, but also he's done some heinous things, including, you know, positioning his daughter to be uh, the second wife in a, in a very icky manner. And then you got Kristen mm-hmm. Cole, Sir Incel, as you've named, dubbed him, uh, Alden. Um, you got a lot of things going on and uh, Aegon and Aemond, uh, I like that Edge Aemond brings, but I don't want to have a drink with him. I don't like him and I hate Aegon. <laughs> and so, yeah, but Alice. Elena's is, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah, and I feel sorry, right? I feel sorry. She's trapped in this. She, she's being called the nutty one and she might be the most sane of the bunch yeah. out there mumbling her prophecies. Like I'd rather hang out with her, uh, collecting uh, spiders and bugs. Yeah, look at some mugs, hang, hang out, out, dance a little. But Allison has always been the heart for me because I've had uh, just an understanding of some of her perspective, a a real understanding of what's happened to her and how she chose to go this way to survive in this world by playing the game. And so I understood the outburst. And this week watching her, you know, it's very real world. It's very hard not to say she is a, uh, you know, yes, I believe you, but I'm not going to stand up for your rights here, uh, lady. And, mm-hmm. and despite her, ex, uh, her personal experiences and knowledge of the situation, and this cannot be the first time with Aegon. I, I can't accept oh, that, I think that is clearly yeah. implied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is something she has done before. That it just yeah. like has evolved from the tomfoolery and the drinking and no. it's only gotten worse it's, in different it's regards. It's, and- it's, it's, yeah. Those who jerk off in windows over your kingdom might l- grow up to do other things we don't approve of. So, yeah. you know, might, yeah, start, just, but there's yeah. things clean up your own house and she couldn't clean it up then right, right? yep and she's not cleaning up now and she's choosing to turn away and so my the heart of the of the greens is beating less and less and less for me but on the other side i love um renera i love what the character is I, i've grown to appreciate damon and I, I i think i'd rather hang out and have a beer with viserys but i i am a little bit of vehement when i stare at them i'm just like but you all know this is a lie and i know this is blood and name and what does history remember more than anything? I believe yeah. in family. It's not the kids' fault, right? The, mm-hmm. Luke and Jace, it's not their fault. And 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 I do believe in found family and the importance of that. So it's it's I'm having so much fun. All this to say, I'm having fun. Yeah. Going, man, I, yeah. I guess I have to root for the blacks, but man, I wish. That and that's people- the thing. Like I almost like I want to commend HBO and like the team mm-hmm. and whoever makes these decisions for not leaning into. Team Edward, Team Jacob, Team Cap, Team Iron Man, as yeah. much as they, cause they could have a hashtag emoji. They could, maybe they will. Maybe they will. Maybe that's a season two onward thing. Like they could be leaning into this so hard and they're not, but they have the best argument I've ever seen for camps within a story, uh, both yeah. being compelling. I mean, they have taken Allison Hightower into the stratosphere of Magneto or Anakin. I've compared them a lot to Obi-Wan Anakin. Like you get why, like she, like yeah. 
is so nuanced and so easy to understand and empathize with to a point. And she's one of those ultimate, like, yeah, they were raised that way, but then, like, when they're 18, she can vote. Like, that's sort of what I've mm-hmm. said about her. And and I know that Olivia, I don't want to make it political here, but I know Olivia has brought some of that into the performance. She's been very open about that, about yeah, who she's that. modeling this after, what kind of American person. Um, but it's the... Yeah, this was the episode where it was like, ah, uh, yes. This was the one where I was like, oh, oh, I know where you were on January 6th. I see it yeah. now. And it was that interesting sort mm-hmm. of, like, I, but but again, she is still somewhere in there. Emily yeah. carries Allison picking at her fingernails, and totally. and that will never be gone. But Allison is trying to kill that girl. She is she is. This is the evil kill the boy John Snow. No, I was going to say it's the the yeah. it's yeah the kill the girl. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that's that's also that's also the official temperature check. That's where I'm at. I guess I'm rooting for the blacks, Rachel. But, <laughs> but here's the thing, though, Ken. Don't don't if you're if you feel mixed on it, don't man. Because let's look at that roster. Not only is it Otto, not only is it Sir Incel, Kristen Cole. You got Laris on that side. All right, they have some Quite of really. you, like the I worst mean, team. Uh, you looked at the the small council, and it, like they have the Grand Maester. They yeah. uh, the only one they don't have is Beesbury, and he's like yeah. practically doddering at this point. So like <laughs> you know, when you really look at it, Team Blacks is kind of behind. Like yeah. they and and Corliss, in theory, is their biggest you know supporter. But yeah, he, he we're still not even sure. I mean, mm. say what you will. He was a huge figure in an episode where he wasn't ever actually there for. Yeah, um, because yeah. that was the the excuse yep. of him most likely about to die affects everything, and that's the linchpin that brings them all together. All and the wealth, every ship. All yeah, like it, it's that that that's a great ally to have, but do they have? I mean, with yeah. Rainey's now probably, but still, for me, it still feels like the greens are way more stacked. Like it just doesn't feel like the blacks have a lot of allies. Um, yeah. yeah, but you know that that's that's will be more telling when it's a stark choice and you have to pick one side or a the other. A stark choice, even. <laughs> I, I I was going to bring it up anyway. I just had to, I, I, I'm not accusing Rachel of making a pun that bad. <laughs> we'll be getting there. That's fine. I'm um, tell you, let me tell you, I don't want to spoil anything, but if I get to hear the stark theme and knowing Ramin Jawadi, I think I will, I'm going to cry. I will there, cry. Yeah, there, there is a thing that, that is... On the, the mm-hmm. I don't know if it'll happen this season yeah. or not, but with uh, Rhaenyra's boys and you might get I, to see, I, us, I get to see a location. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm. I'm <laughs> anyway. Um, as far as far as temperature check, greens and blacks. The biggest issue is because you've set the next generation up so starkly, so clearly, mm-hmm. as you know these guys suck and these guys seem really nice. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I just, I, I understand where Allison stands. I even understand while I condone it and I hate it and I don't want it to be the case, but that the realm would be very shaky with the idea of a queen inheriting the crown after everything mm. happening. Like mm. that, that could potentially destabilize the realm that that is a real potential threat to the security of the seven kingdoms. And that is therefore, I think a legitimate thing to be on the mind of the greens. Really, honestly. And then Rhaenyra muddying the waters by having illegitimate children. And then just like 
turning a blind eye to it and doubling down and tripling down on it. That, that, nope, these are my true born kids. You're not fooling anybody. Yeah. So yeah. like and they do such I, a great job of showing like again the content of character versus blood. The effort that Jace is putting into the High Valyrian is such a small scene. So sweet. Yeah. But it's like that's the character that she has imbued into her sons. That's the kind of home that they grew up in is like just honest hard work trying to get something right. And Jace knew before Luke knew. And whether Luke even accepts that is still sort of up in the air, but Jace knows who his father is. But he is yeah. that's why he puts in the extra. Yeah. Is, you know, and, and yeah. that's, that makes him like such that. a, in the same way that we used to root for the Stark kids, you know, they've sort of positioned them as the good next generation. Real quick, this is a kind of a different thing, but, uh, Ken, I don't know. Do I have the capability to bring up comments? I think I do. Uh, this, this slasher, slasher comment here that the babies are there. It's just something that we yeah. haven't mentioned. So that the yeah. babies are yes. there. And I forget their names. The next, next generation. Yeah. I, I forget their names. But <laughs> yeah. Prince Aegon and Helena's baby so now from Viserys down four generations on the table's already been discussed in the comments but yeah. the idea that even more faces and names are on the table is just something to note for sure the yeah. more castings on the way here uh yeah so uh that's the big thought there uh yeah the, the greens and the blacks the temperature check here the cost of aspirations and just uh what this all turns into they're not you know the, for the throne from the first show i think was the big thing of if, you know the, the quest for power and what you do with that and how it can destroy you how how uh you know it, it can change you along the way and cost you i think that's being uh, shown most in Allison here right now but certainly not the only one there also at play in this episode was traditions Jaceris, you, you said you talked about jay saying the beginning kings upholding the traditions that came before him is important to him but you got allison and otto bringing the old town traditions the king's landing seven pointed stars everywhere uh, uh porno tapestries gone, gone. taken down <laughs> yeah no what did more. what did matt smith delivered that so well with like a because he at first he's brushing off Allison because he does not take her seriously and never has going back to the first tapestries joke scene with the Sarah's and him laughing at her. But yeah. when he does stand up and he's like, and you removed is with a Targaryen heraldry, like mm-hmm. he, as mm-hmm. his brother, he, maybe he doesn't have a Lego model or maybe he stashed it somewhere. And we've never seen it, but he, yeah. they are students of their family and yeah. they, in, in different ways, but they have always shown that Damon is as much a student. And that's what he took offense to, I thought was interesting in that moment. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a theme of this episode. It's a theme of the show. And it was a theme of Game of Thrones too, but blood Mm -hmm. versus name, like just Mm -hmm. how important is it that Rhaenyra's kids aren't um, true born sons of like, it's more important for Driftmark in the sense of Valerian blood, and that is Veyman's point. Right. But in terms of the Seven Kingdoms and Westeros, like when it's all written, they're still hers. Yeah. And if if they inherited the throne and we went on our ways, it would be written such that that they they carried on the Targaryen name and blood. So mm-hmm. for people to be nitpicky about making you know, an example of that, it's it's all about where they're coming from and their motivations. Like what mm-hmm. is actually most important? Name, blood. And then there's, you know, ideas of family beyond your own blood family. And exactly. And that's how these shows together so beautifully. Yes. It's like because there's been a lot of a lot of talk about how they're different and they are so different, but there's been a lot of thematic, like we are telling one story. We left Game of Thrones in the logo for a reason. Mm-hmm. It is going to inform backwards and forwards. 
And lest we forget the Daenerys on screen, her name there, like to put the TV audience in that mode. But every time I see Jace, like when he's trying to learn the High Valyrian and the way that this entire King's Landing meeting happens because of Luke's future, question mark, will he have that future? Makes me think of that iconic Stannis moment. What is the, what's, what's the life of one bastard boy against a kingdom? And Davos has everything. Like that was, that was like the trailer, bam, thing for Jon mm. Snow. And it is still the thing for Jon Snow's family. <laughs> these are yeah. these these are Jon Snow's kin, generations and generations before having the same arguments that will define him, which yeah. is just super, you know, it's almost like they know what they're doing. Almost. <laughs> delicious, stuff. delicious stuff there. Any other themes jump out to you, Rachel? Anything you want to talk about in the time we have remaining here today? The one that jumped out the most to me was I sort of mentioned it earlier, but you know, um, Rhaenyra and Rainey's um, under the tree talking, you know, mm-hmm. uh, about their position and Rhaenyra offering up this idea of betrothing um, Bela and Reyna to her sons and, and everything else. And, and Rhaenys is like, you know, that's very generous, but it's also very desperate. Mm-hmm. And Rhaenyra's response is doesn't really matter to which Rainey's ultimately agrees. But then I think the episode does so much work to say it does matter. Yeah. It certainly does to us as yeah. watchers, um, whether or not it, it matters to those in the world, you know, I think is open to interpretation. But I, I love the idea of, and Game of Thrones did it too, like the idea of motivation. Why is anybody doing what they're doing because they're mothers, because they believe in their bloodlines, because the family name is the most important thing, because they were told to, because they've been traumatized. So therefore they're whatever it all is speaks to everybody's human. Everybody's fallible. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has prejudices. Everybody has all of this gray matter that influences everything that happens. Um, mm. So that's why we want to shake characters. That's why we yell at the TV, don't say it. And then they say it. And that's, you know, the, the interaction that we always have. And I just loved that to me and in, in that quote sort of distilled it in a way like motivations. You're doing something. Are you doing it out of desperation? Or are you doing it out of generosity? Ger- generosity standing in for morals, for character, for, for emotion, for humanity, mm. whatever, you know, you want to put in there. But yeah. That really, that stuck out to me. And then because the supper scene really lent itself to people sort of letting go a little here and there and then making the acknowledgements and you seeing the cracks and then Mm -hmm. you see it all fall apart again. And it just all kind of wraps up really well for me. I love that. This idea of letting go. There's so many moments, so many characters coming back to King's Landing to literally stand in their past, right? To just face parts of their past and their own lives Hey, oh my gosh, it looks the same. Oh, it's bigger than I remembered. All those kind of things are, are rainy standing under the tree. Just, uh, uh, you know, uh, Renera and, and Allison to emotionally going back to the tree there and all their past. I love that. I thought that's a great point, Rachel. And just the idea of uh, letting go. And man, isn't that uh, sometimes easier said than done? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. I love the scene with uh, Jason Luke. Like, this is where we thought, you know, we tried to use the Morning Star and we smashed. We the Morning Star action. Yeah, yeah, and all of that was that was all great. And I, you know, just building off of that, the only thing that I would throw in after this whole conversation because we've covered so much and it was so just so dense. Like this show's done so good with just picking moments, but the uh, the idea of like what we cling to 
as much as, you know, it, in, in that conversation of letting go, in that conversation of desperation, it could be something like Giseris clinging to this idea of I can make myself valid if I, if I know who my real father is, if I learn this and I push myself and I extend the lessons further and I don't listen to my mom and she says to take a break, if I just go, 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 in the same way that Allison is all in on God, in the same way that uh, Viserys is clinging to supper, just one would be great. Everybody has their thing that they think will solve their problems, mm-hmm. that they think will make the other things go away, that can be sort of the bandage over everything. And it's it's sad to see how few of those things actually work. And, you know, without getting into any like lore knowledge that we all have about what's going to come, we also can see, the, you know, we, we might know that they things that haven't blown up yet still will. Um, and even in the case of Viserys, it's like, is it beautiful that the last memory he has is of that good dinner? Yes, it is. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It sucks that he had to like leave it early because he's dying, but he... He, they really slow it down so Viserys can look to his left and look to his right and yeah. see what's going on. And some people have pointed out, there's a point that I love that his, the, the rotting half of his face is on the high tower side of the table. Um, <laughs> which I, I think intentional or otherwise is one of yeah. those things of like, that's a, that's an old Luke Skywalker's white underneath the outfit, the little flip yeah. down, like all that. But, uh, yeah, it, it's just full of that stuff of what are people willing to, to cling to in that moment. Um, and even though Damon, Damon's a great example, like showing up and clinging to Targaryen heraldry and their ancestry mm-hmm. and everything. But once he's finally able to synthesize that with a little bit of his growth as a father is when he can finally say, mm-hmm. come on, man, let me help you. Come on, man. Yeah. Come on, man. Great stuff there. Any final big theme for you all that we haven't talked about yet? Um, no, I just, uh, it's just an interesting feeling. I think it was James Hibbard, author of a fire cannot kill a dragon that said that this feels like a finale and in yet another pilot at the same time. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, it's not really a thematic thing, just more so a structural and a directing thing. Mm-hmm. I think this is the probably I'm such a, I, I hate to be that like, no, this is my favorite, but I, re- I really do feel that way. Like I thought Driftmark was my favorite episode. This might actually be my favorite now, even over that uh, mm-hmm. it's directed like theater it's yeah. really, really intimate. And at the same time, it does feel like a, a closing of so many books. Like we talked about, like I, it closes the chapter of the, the cousins of the great council. It closes the chapter of the brothers. It, it does a great job of wrapping things up at, at, yeah. at number eight, which is a weird place to do that. Um, and they talked about how six had to be their second pilot and they're right. But this was almost like second pilot again, second pilot part two. They had to get to this point. Like, and, and I'm sure that the writer's room was a struggle for the years leading up this and figuring out yeah. how long, how far back they had to go and how long they had to spend on all of those very important key moments that make the characters who they are at this stage, because it's this right. stage that we get yeah. the dance. So like I've been seeing comments and people wondering, so is this the last character or actor changes for the kids? And I think so. I think these are the the yeah. actors that will will play these not for the babies you know uh uh on and, and, we can do and, that in real time we, we can do that later time. so that's fine yeah. but in or the other babies of, i don't right. know if they do anything but yeah, yeah so yeah. they're we're 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 settled in now like all almost everything we've done has been in some i don't want to this is not to relegate it but it has been backstory to set up this story yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And to do it in eight, I think is smart because I think we all know what nine is going to be. And then mm-hmm. with 10, I have a suspicion <laughs> about yes. where that goes. And mm-hmm. then that is just an ex- explosion into season two and, and how yeah. this all goes down. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I kind of got that feeling too, which is why this is also my favorite episode, just because like I said, I felt more lived in. I felt like I could yeah. really yeah. connect with it in a way that like, there's been spectacular moments beyond like the Vagar stuff in the last week's episode, like there have been amazing moments all through the the season but as an episode this one I really grasped onto in a way that makes me really excited it earned your yeah you know like it's that yeah and and Ken you brought up Phantom Menace and like it'd be remiss if if you and I didn't at some point get into Star Wars Mm -hmm. some way but like that's why I've always like really hated and resented the machete order just as a, as a thing, like cutting it's Phantom Menace out. It, it's, it's just like entirely incorrect. It's blatantly blasphemous, it, I would say. Yes, it's, uh, it's so wrong. <laughs> I'm sending Ken into a rage. It's so <laughs> it's just, it is, it's, it's so important to the saga. Yes. Oh, don't give me. Yes. Um, catch me and, and it's funny that like you brought up Phantom Menace in terms of the, the Last Supper and everything, but even structurally, this whole season has been Phantom Menace. Where you could, there's probably a version of this, maybe a different writer that's not Condal comes in and is like, so we start the show with the death of this king. And it's like, yeah, yeah. you could have, but that now that I've seen the groundwork and everything that you're talking about, Rachel, this prologue, this, this eight episode prologue, <laughs> uh, it's like, how dare you insinuate that I don't get my time with Patty? Like, right. this is Phantom Menace. It matters. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little angry. It's, it's a, it's a, you know, I'm still tired from traveling. I, I got to let my guard down. I apologize. Uh, one thing before we get on out of here, uh, it's been a nice, fun, long live episode. Thank you, all of you who have been watching here. Uh, some great questions. I'm seeing a lot of them there. We're, we're not necessarily bringing in questions here. We will be doing a live Q&A very soon. Um, uh, I want to shout out to the director, the, the writer, Eileen Shim, as well. Great job here. And uh, mm-hmm. Gita Vasant Patel, who I, there's a good chance she saw me bomb at the Hollywood Improv. Her brother, Ravi Patel, used to uh, stand up back in the day. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know him by any means other than oh, just being in the bill. Um, but uh, they had a, a film called uh, Meet the Patels, kind of a quasi-documentary film that's uh, really great stuff. So I want to shout her out. This was a great episode because the director has to keep the tone, right? Has to keep all the actors in, uh, in, in, in the, in the lane for the emotions, the themes, all the stuff going on. But you don't just do it for this episode. You're having to get new actors up to speed to what came before. Uh, and this was just, you mentioned theater, theater. There's a, there's some just quiet. R-E, R-E theater, not E-R. Theater. Yeah. Uh, that long walk, I thought, man, this was one of my f- uh, favorite episodes in terms of direction. I want to shout her out. She did a great yeah. job. Really mm-hmm. loved everything there. So a lot of fun. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Alden, from you? Well, just my final thought will build on that point. I think that this is this is one of my new like directors to watch. I think they've had they've assembled such a great roster. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you get the guy who was the breakout director from the first show to do that. And we yeah. know that Miguel's going to be moving on. I. I have no doubt in my mind that he will still from time to time direct an episode like that. He's not leaving on bad terms. He has his overall deal with HBO. He's moving on, but the roster they've assembled here, the talent, the skill and the way that it does feel so intimate and the way that they have been able to do like that. This is just Driftmark or this episode. This is just these two or three locations, a bedroom, a throne room and a dinner. And that's it. And I love that they've done that. And it makes me, think in the back of my mind like i don't know if she has interest in directing theater theater but they've been saying they're gonna do that west end play about the tourney at heron hall 
that's yeah. the kind of stuff that I want. That's that's what I love. So this is that's a great. magnificent episode. Uh, Rachel, final thoughts. And first of all, just Rachel, very happy to have you. I'm glad my schedule allowed for you to slide in today. I was uh, happy to be here. Thank you, especially for this episode. I've been mm-hmm. I've been up and down on this series in in general, but um, mm-hmm. like I said, really really high highs. And this episode, um, yeah, just just hit right for me, and mm-hmm. and makes me a lot more excited about what's coming. Like this, this is the groundwork I needed to see to, to know that, you know, the story that I know the building blocks of can, can really come to fruition in a way that I think will be uh, handled well. So I was really glad to, to be able to chat with it, uh, about it with you guys today. No, glad to have you here. Yeah. Sprawling indeed. This is a sprawling story and it is time to start dancing. Those yes. dragons are going to start dancing and it's going to get uh, really good from here on out. Uh, as always, thank you out there for listening, uh, whether it's on the podcast version or watching us here live. Uh, the, pod- the podcast version today will have some uh, audio issues up top that I'm not going to be able to get rid of because also at the same time, my memory card was full. Man, kids, don't do comedy New York and then race <laughs> into casually talk coverage. It just messes up. And see a rock concert. And see a rock concert. Rock concert on <laughs> um, but hey, Charm Life I Live, and especially because we get to sit uh, sit here and talk about uh, Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, Rings of Power, which I'm just absolutely loving that as well. So mm. that is next up for us. We got uh, coverage of the finale coming your way. Stay tuned on the time. I have to uh, some more X Factors in my life as well. Uh, so bear with me there. And then uh, we will uh, be back to a uh, breakdown episode nine. That is quite a number. We know what number we nine. We know what number nine usually means. We know what number nine <laughs> usually means. So Stress. thank you all. If you have not subscribed to the YouTube channel yet, do so. Uh, a lot of more, a lot more content coming here, especially during the off season. We'll do more videos, exclusive stuff to this channel. And don't forget, you can find us on the podcast side, which is still kind of our first medium of choice. And that is found on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and all the spots. Links to follow us are down below, but Alden, tell them uh, anything specific you want them to know about you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at that Alden Diaz, T-H-A-T-A-L-D-E-N-D-I-A-Z, covering Star Wars and Octa Radio. We're in Andor season right now. Another heavy show, another very thoughtful show. And uh, you're covering that, of course, over on Force Center. And so that's a fun one to dig into, even though if it's not a fun one in and of itself, uh, that's why I need something like Rings of Power. And I'm really sad that that show's ending. Uh, I almost wish that they had not competed. That way my year could be spread out a little <laughs> right. bit. Uh, <laughs> An abundance of nerd joy right now. Yeah, better for my schedule, but they don't schedule to be around my life. No, they did not consult Casually Talk, at least this time. Um, so yeah, looking forward to the Rings of Power coverage there. Uh, writing around the internet, doing other things. But I just keep you posted on the socials. All right, Rachel. Uh, I, I know you have far less podcasts than us, which is why you're le- leading a better life. Than, uh, <laughs> uh, yes, I, I just pop up as a, as a guest on these whenever the boys will have me. So, um, yeah, I met Rachel Cushing Levine on uh, Twitter and Instagram, and uh, I'm often very up for some uh, fun debates and talks about these yeah. wonderful, wonderfully nerdy and fantastical shows that make, you know, my 10 year old inner self thrilled that I get to live through this now as an adult. What a time. What a time. <laughs> what a time indeed. All right. That is it for this week. We thank you all for joining us. We'll see you again soon here on Casterly Talk. Mm-hmm.